Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome back to season seven of Talking with Traders. We're now into the fourth year of this podcast since it started in early 2020. Once again, IG have come on board as our sponsor for this season. We are truly privileged and grateful to have such a global leader in CFD trading as our sponsor. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing various guests from around the globe on the topic of trading. Some will be follow-ups with past guests and some will be new guests. The idea behind this podcast is that you get a variety of views from a broad spectrum of market professionals. None of what you hear in these episodes is intended to be financial advice but it is intended to get you thinking about how you might be able to apply what you hear here into your own trading and investing. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified when new episodes are released. Once again, thank you to IG for funding and sponsoring this podcast into its fourth year. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Please enjoy season seven of Talking with Traders. Welcome back to this last episode of Talking with Traders for 2023. This has been a good season. This is season seven of Talking with Traders that we're wrapping up now, and we'll start with another season in January of 2024. But for this last episode of the year, I'm really delighted to have a female trader on the line. Um, Her name is Sarah Georges from Valencia in Spain. So something different to end the year off. Uh, Sarah, welcome to Talking with Traders. I'm I'm really excited and looking forward to speaking to you. Thank you so much, Garth. Um, I'm really excited as well to speak to you. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you here. Thank you. So, I mean, as I always do with, with new guests onto the podcast, I always like to just find out a little bit about you and get some insights into what you trade and perhaps just briefly how you got involved in this business. Then we get into some of the more meaty stuff, which we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, right. Okay, so um, how did I got into trading was through through friends. So I had this friend that was making money with trading, which kind of made me believe that was possible, uh, which is the struggle many times with traders in the beginning, like this disbelief, which I had as well, but I, I was this colleague that was already doing it. And um, so I finished my my college year, my, my bachelor, and um, I, I did, I started in a job, I stayed in the job for like one year straight, and I, I just was super uh, sad about it, I didn't like it, it was super demotivating, and, and my, my plan B quickly became my, my plan A, so the, the plan B was trading, I already knew about it, I was demo trading at the time, uh, and, um, and you know, uh, I just started to consider the option of passing it to plan A because I really wasn't into spending another more or the rest of my life in any other job. I didn't think the, 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 the solution was to take another degree or going into another area because it was just really time control that was annoying me that I didn't have for myself. Um, and so, yeah, uh, here I am then. I just uh, quit my job. I, I got into several part-times that didn't align with my course that I took at the time, several of them, but they did allow me to have time for, for trading. So this was the advantage. And although it was a very difficult season of my life, the, the very difficult phase, um, I just kept going because I had this, the, this view uh, in mind. And, uh, and, you know, I think above all, it's important to have 
the financial part assured from other side to kind of reduce the pressure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I trade on, I, I'm, I'm a Forex trader, a currency trader, and um, trading the London session. So I'm in Europe, uh, it's my morning. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it now for like six, seven years. Um, I The first years were all about learning. I started small, but um, but yeah, I grew over time and um, here we are. Okay, fantastic. So you say you trade currencies. And what I also forgot to mention in the intro is that you're also a trading coach. Um, you've written a book as well, the Building the Mindset of a Trader. And um and also, you you're very active on Twitter. You go by the Twitter handle Perceptive Trader, the the Perceptive Trader, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so so you're very active. You're very out there, and it's it's great. I mean, I love following your work. Some of it is really really excellent. Um, you mentioned that your 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 market is currencies, and that you trade a three to four hour window during the mornings, which is the London session, as you mentioned. Uh, and then you in the afternoons, you turn your attention to writing and coaching, which I want to talk to the to the writing and coaching a bit more after that after this. But um, can you talk to us a little bit about your trading setup or your system uh, that you, you enact over that sort of three to four hour window in the mornings during the London session? What does it look like in basic terms? What What has to happen in order for a trade to be present and on your setup what gives you the edge okay okay yeah very interesting question so um in this three four hour um i usually don't take a lot of trades per week so there are times that i actually uh, i show up but i just there's just no opportunities what i do is outlining i have three or four main time frames that i use I'll, i outline the key levels or key areas from the daily and the one hour and um also the 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 overall trend from the daily. So if it's an uptrend, I'm looking for longs on that day. If it's yeah. a downtrend, I'll look to go with the trend. And then uh, on the 15 minutes, it's the, the time frame that I execute in. Sometimes I do take trades out of the five minutes. It really depends. And then what I'm looking for in the 15 minutes is basically, as I, as I only trade London session, I kind of draw a box in the Asian session to kind of outline the highs, the high and the low of the session. I'm looking for a a breakdown or up uh, that the, the Asian session. So, for example, if I'm looking for longs, I'm looking for a breakdown the 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 low of the Asian session, together with the the confluence of that key level. The can be a one hour key level or the daily. If they confluence, that's perfect. Then I'm looking for a specific pattern. In this case, it would be uh, a bottom. Uh, uh, low, bottom low. But what I'm looking as well at the same time is a divergence together with an indicator that I use and that if the second leg of that pattern can can kind of form a lower low and um, with a week with a week of the of the candle it kind of indicates me and other other stuff indicates me that it's it's a stop hunt and so I'm I'm looking for that specific stop hunt to enter at the candle closure so that would be my my entry trigger you know, sometimes it sometimes it doesn't get me the best feel, but it's just my strategy. And then um, I'm, I'm pretty glad with the risk to reward anyways. I enter there. Um, I I take partials. So I'm looking to scale out the first partial. Uh, really depends. Uh, also looking at this indicator or middle um, line of the Asian session or the upper, uh, the high of the Asian session. The second one, I'm looking at the ADR. So the average daily range. And this gets me 
for the second partial, uh, it's a good risk to reward would be somewhere around four to six R. Um, and then if I still believe in the potential of the trade, I still leave a third partial, not as the same size of the first and the second one, maybe 10%, 15, 5% sometimes, you know, and the, these allow me to run the trade overnight. So yeah. I'll say I'm a day trader, but there are situations that I just hold the trade uh, maximum three days and preferably intra-week. So I don't hold positions over the weekends, just overnight, maximum three days. Okay. So yeah, right. that would be uh, my setup. Okay. And I mean, these types of setups, do you find that they appear every day or, or are there days where you just go without making any trades because there's just not a clear setup? Oh yeah. There are days that I just, that there's just nothing, you know, and um for example, if the higher time frame, I don't trade a lot of pairs. I have a small watch list, but if yeah. the higher time frame is not conducive, so if there's no trend, if it's consolidating, I just skip that day. That it's not worth it. I'm looking for a trend, or those situations where we have a higher time frame market structure break incoming potentially, like uh, where we where we might be initiating a, um, a new trend, and these all form my key levels, but. The, the last scenario that I'm, that I'm looking at is trading at a consolidative uh, daily time frame. I don't like that. Um, and so this setup happens in many forms. You know, uh, sometimes there's the price is just uh, never the same. And um, there are very, very many variations. But the framework is this one. So I want to see the divergence. I want to see preferably like a hammer or a dodgy. And I want the week to pass the, the the previous low um if i see that yeah um, i'm all in to enter okay. well not all in but at least yeah, yeah. with my my, my worries. Well, i know what you mean you're all in as in in the sense that you you'll go in in terms of what your risk allows you to to go in and that leads me to my next question around risk i mean what what sort of percentage do you risk on on individual trades when you see your setup appearing i mean it sounds like a pretty robust setup and a relatively high probability way of trading with good risk to reward ratios. Um, but then, as we always know, you know, no matter how good a trade might look, so they can sometimes go wrong. So you have to manage your risk and always have a stop loss in place and know how much you lose if that stop loss gets triggered. Now, in your case, what sort of risk do you um, risk percentage do you assume on a trade relative to your overall portfolio uh, value? Mm -hmm. So I don't like to go above 2%. I, I stick between 1.5 and 2%. And the reason for this range, and to not be a fixed number, is because I, I'm using this um, kind of automatic way to see which risk, which volume of the trade I, I should enter with. And it, it's basically, uh, I print out these risk tables, what I call it. Uh, and I have on the right, there's two columns on the right, uh, on the left column, sorry, there's a lot of options for the, the stop loss size. So my average stop loss size goes between 10 minimum all the way to, to 40, which would be actually really bad for me. Maybe I would skip the trade. Uh, so it's it's around 20. But anyways, I have this from 5 to 5. So 10, 15, 20, 25. And then on the right side of that column of that uh, table, I have the volume or for me, the lot size, because I'm trading currencies that I should use for that specific um stop loss. So if the market tells me that my stop loss is uh, 25 pips, uh, I'm going to go with that uh, amount of volume. But if it tells me my uh, my stop loss size is, for example, 28 pips, I sometimes I don't round it off for the next number, which would be 30. I do it for for the, the number 
so 25. So this right. makes this range. It's it's not the same, but I always like to do it for the the number before, not the the highest. Okay. The highest number. All right. It. Okay, but but the, but the answer, I guess, is you, you don't risk more than between one and a half to two percent of your capital yeah. on an individual trade. And now, I mean, we'll get into some stats, but your your win rate, um, what you know, I, I presume you've got information on this or got records of this. What is your average win rate over the uh, over the period you've been trading, or if if not over the entire period, I mean, let's just say over the last perhaps the last year. Um, have you got stats on win rate and then on your a- average size of winner versus loser in terms mm-hmm. of R? I'm not asking you to disclose the the euro amounts of profits and loss here, but um, yeah. you know, in terms of percentage, yeah. Yeah, so win rate, uh, we're, there, there are periods that, that I went down 50%, but it's right now 50, around 50 to 55%. Okay. Uh, so in terms of win rate, that's been my... Uh, it's been a good thing, you know, because there are many traders that have less than 50% win rate. Mm. Uh, and um, I think one of the things that allow me to, uh, that, that give me an edge as well, it's the selectivity that I then go with the trades because it's not the same to give my strategy to another trader. The, the description, the, the, the experiences is kind of not there. So the selectivity won't be there as well. Uh, in terms of um, percentage return of my, so my losers, uh, maximum I can I can lose is it would be two percent for my winners five percent around five point four point five five percent so uh, my risk to reward for the first partial I don't like to take it anything below two R okay. um, I might take one point eight or one point one point nine but two R uh, above that it would be it would be ideal so it's around that for the second partial in terms of R. Um, yeah, that that would be around four point four to six R. It's difficult to have those statistics yeah. in the in the journal because like it doesn't consider the different partials. Yes. Yeah. So so yeah, but um, it's this scaling out that allows me the possibility to kind of alleviate much of the pressure mm. um, that I that I sometimes have with the trade and um, allows me then to run it better for yeah. the second partial, you know, for and then then for the third one is just. I don't care about it. I'm risk-free or even trailing yeah. with a trailing stop. So, so yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, so approximately 50 to 55% of your trades are winners, which means obviously 45 to sometimes 50% of them are losers. So that's interesting. Correct. And I mean, that's quite normal, actually, from a lot of people I speak to. Um, and a lot of mm-hmm. amateurs might not believe that and say, well, surely you've got to be getting, you know, a lot more trades as winners, but no, not not the case. If you've got a no. if you've got a setup that gives you on average, like you said, two R or three R or better on your winners, well then it's fine. You're making profits. But um do you ever get sort of frustrated when you you have a trade that you that actually where your partial goes on to make five, six, seven R and you think sort of think, oh, I wish I had my full size on or do you accept that that was never your strategy anyway? So don't even think about it. Um, you know, are you rigid like yeah. that? Yeah, that's actually a very interesting question because um, yesterday or two days ago, I, I posted something on Twitter saying that in, in every goal or every method approach that you take on inside your strategy, you kind of have to understand what are the positives and, and the negatives or the implications of, of the deal, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And so, um Yes, there there's a, a downside to scaling out, and obviously you always think about that, and and you know it's a thought that emerges. Um, 
there's a flexibility to play to play with the percentages. So sometimes I take 50% on the first partial, sometimes I take 80%, sometimes I take 30. So it really depends. Now, um, I think one must be aware of, of these implications. And I think that this approach saves me more often than not, meaning it alleviates more a lot of my pressure. It allows me for great performance then of the trade. And I have to measure both sides, you know, like there's, there's implications to everything. We just got to choose what we want, what favors us better regarding our strengths and our personality, I guess, and, and then accept the, the downside because there's also, also always a downside to, to everything. And I think traders sometimes rely on the hope and, and don't prepare for the, this downside, mm. which is, and then the downside going to happen. And they, they are like, damn, I really want to go with, with full size. I'm not going to take partials. And then the trading mistakes start yeah. from, from there. So prepare, yeah. preparation is, is really everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now, now I mean, as a coach, you're obviously, you, you have clients that you're dealing and you're helping them with their own trading. In addition to the fact that you obviously trade your own capital. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, you're, you're helping other traders to deal with their difficulties, but what is your biggest difficulty in trading? Yeah, I would say uh, it's it's actually related with that. So because my trade management allows me for flexibility, which is a very good thing. I do think all people should have a trade management or, or exit method that allows them for, for flexibility, meaning um, it's not all or nothing, you know, a single profit taking, you know, it really depends on the personality of the person, but I don't like to close myself to the uncertainty of the market in, in that way. But what happens is that sometimes, you know, I take, uh, I take 80% on the first partial and then, uh, you know, I kind of regret and it, there's hindsight, but at the same time, I kind of learned to remove this hindsight from the analysis of my trade already. And uh, I'm able to objectively analyze and sometimes the mistakes emerge from there. So the, the management of the trade, uh, I could have maximized more in terms of the higher time frame moves. So one thing that I'm working on aside from my real-time execution is maximizing my my trades. So the losers, no problem with that, but but having maximizing the, the, the length of the move, move I catch, not on the execution time frame, but on the on the higher time frame and you know sometimes i see so much more potential and i'm here trying to study as well, a way to um to increase the holding period of my winners that's okay all. okay all right yeah that's an interesting thing i mean i guess that's another stat to, and i don't know whether you do track this or not but it's something i track with my own trading is how long do i hold on to trades and and then look at it and say well how long am i typically holding on to losers and how long am I holding on to yeah. winners? And in an ideal world, you know, the time that you're holding on to a winner should be longer than what you're holding on to a loser, generally speaking. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like, interesting. Yeah. And what about bad habits? Again, I'm, I'm talking to you as the coach, but also as the trader. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> we all have bad habits. And you're in the, as, as a trading coach, you're there to help your clients, you know, fix and uh, iron out their bad habits. What about yourself? Do you have any bad habits that you're trying to work on and alleviate? Yeah, that's a great question. So outside of the charts or in, inside of the charts in the execution? Well, anyway, I mean, in your trading, anything, is it is it in your analysis? Is it in the, the way you execute any bad habits? Um, I mean, are there any that you can think of that you would like to improve? When it comes to 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 my execution on the charts, I wouldn't say um, it's a bad habit. That difficulty that about the 
the potential to maximize winners. It would be one, I would guess, because I'm, I'm, I tend to be risk averse. So uh, it's kind of my personality, but I'm trying to learn to press on the right time that I know it's the right time, you know, but for some reason, it's just, I'm not able to do it for some reason sometimes. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that would be one of them. Um, other bad habits, I say that I really value the um, things outside of the, the charts. So the my life outside of the charts. And I always try to have these things fulfilled. So um, I wouldn't say right now, you know, I might probably have tons of them, but I'm, I'm just not reminding right now. I don't have addictions. So that's a very good thing in my view. Um, inside of the charts, maybe trading on a day that I shouldn't perhaps. Uh, but I think the analysis of, of the journal really helps me to kind of spot the mistake and ask myself, okay, you know, there's this quote. So if you repeat the, the same mistake twice or three times, it's just already because you want, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm there, if I spot the mistake, uh, I just outline a plan quickly to address it and um, understand why did I have to trade on that day? And you know, the interesting thing is that sometimes I understand that there's something in my life outside of the charts that I was that is like a lacking balance and I was trying to fill fill that void through through my charts and having a productive day and having a winner or something so that would be I think potentially the bad habit that um it's fascinating that though isn't it it's 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 something that I've found and I know I've having chatted to many traders it's something that we it, it, it happens a lot often subconsciously but Whatever's happening outside of your trading life, if you're having some sort of, as you say, some sort of difficulty outside of trading, it's weird how it can manifest itself in your trading, like oh, force you to make bad, bad, bad decisions or take too much risk or grab a profit too quickly or, or, or ignore a stop loss. You know, this, it's, it's weird, but it's, there's a lot to be said for that. And, and something you mentioned there is journaling. Um, and that's what I want to ask you because I know you write a lot on Substack and listeners can follow you on Substack. And we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast where they can follow you. But I find writing very therapeutic and something I do in my own business. Is, is that the some, I mean, do you write for those same reasons? Well, because you, you know, I guess you don't have to do this, but writing, putting your thoughts down. I guess it gives you a way to to measure what you're doing in in some respects. It gives you a bit of a plan. It's therapeutic, but I mean, I want to talk to you about the importance of journaling. Um, do you journal before the market opens as well as after the market? And you know, do you do like a pre mortem of your trading day and then a post mortem afterwards in mm-hmm. your journaling? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So for many traders, there are tons of ways of journaling. The one that works for me, and because I'm not a scalper, is, is journaling uh, during my trading sessions. So normally I'm not taking, taking trades right after right, right away that I enter the session, the learning session. Uh, it's not right away. So I'm looking for one leg and then the second leg. So um, I have some time to, to do some marks, markups on trading view, text boxes, things writing what I think. And and then it, helps, it also really helps me to manage and self-regulate during the trades. 
And this is something that for me is essential. It, doing it while I'm uh, managing the trade because I'm, I'm just on my computer. I, sometimes I'm as well writing or doing writing on Substack or, or something, you know, or tweeting. So um, it really helps me to self-regulate. For some traders, they don't like to write. They like to kind of communicate in a different way, voice recordings. But I do think when you vent down and when you rechannel your thoughts uh, to the outside, it feels um, more clear, you feel more organized and you, yeah, you just understand what's going on. And sometimes you make these connections that you are not, you would never do them if you would keep things for yourself, but because you're writing down, you, yeah, you understand. And then what's funny, it's accessing these, these thoughts and this self-talk that you're putting on paper afterwards, like at the end of the week. That's all what I always do. I look at the, my weekly trades, sometimes my month, sometimes my monthly trades, even to get this big picture view. And um, I see my my journal, and you know, it's funny. You can find a lot of correlations, things that you would never found find if you wouldn't have write them, because you know the thoughts are emerging. If you don't catch them, if you don't if you don't catch your trigger side, if you don't catch you, you know, you you will you will just be gone. Yeah. You don't have access to it. Or you don't have a way. So it's like an opportunity to see how your mind works under pressure or um, not necessarily, you know, but while you're trading, super important. Um, and yeah, I think I advise uh, the traders I guide, I advise them to do this. Uh, and I, I, I don't put pressure in a way of doing things. I think it really must, you must look at your way of journaling and tell to yourself, I'm going to be able to keep consistency with this for a long term. Mm. If you start with many journals at the same time, it might work for some people, like people that are actually really love the process, but there are other people that find it super boring. And it is. The thing is like logging in information, the, the, the size of the trades and all these things. You can, you can have it on a statistical journal. Like, I mean, it's just boring. But when it comes to the compliments, what you did well, what you did wrong, this is actually interesting in my view. And if you have full interest in your trading, I think there's no way it can uh, cannot be interesting. I think yeah. you should be find a way to make it more enjoyable uh, for you. That's that's all. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting what you said about the, the stuff being boring and journaling being boring and what have you. Um, I think it was Stephen Goldstein, who's a, a friend of this podcast. I've had him on twice, and I've been on his podcast. He's the uh, Alpha Mind guy, right. brilliant, mm -hmm. also a coach. Um, and he put out a tweet earlier this week, which was quite interesting amongst many good tweets that he puts out, but he says that you need to learn to love the boring stuff. And, uh, and, and, and to that extent, I mean, I want to ask you this is that the boring stuff is what you're doing outside of the markets. I guess it's that analysis that you're doing before the market opens or after the markets have closed, when you're writing down your thoughts about the day, what happened, etc. cetera. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, what I've noticed is success in anything often comes down to what you're doing when you're not on the field. <laughs> you know, right. if you're, if you're a sportsman, your success on the field or on the golf course or on the tennis court or whatever, wherever it is that you put, you know, playing your sport, your success in the playing field is very much determined by what you do off the field and trading is no different. So, you know, that that's why I wanted to ask you about this is, you know, your your trading window is three to four hours a day. The rest of the day you mentioned you spend writing, journaling, coaching other clients. Um, I mean, I want to talk to you about that, 
what you do outside of the three or four hours that you're trading. And also, why is your trading window only three to four hours? Is it could it be longer than that? But you've chosen to keep it that's that narrow. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it could be. So uh first thing, the first thing that I um would would like to tell is just um exceptional trading performance. It just like you said, it just doesn't happen. Uh, only in real-time trading or in real-time performance. So the much of the work that needs to be there is uh, the, the behind-the-scenes work. And and most of the traders' mistake, if you think about it, uh, Garth, happen because they kind of lost the big picture. Mm-hmm. So they are executing. They are they they get they chase moves. They they get drawn by the the, the one-minute chart. They forget the higher time frame picture. And so. There are a few mistakes that are made with the big picture in mind. Thing is that to have this fresh big picture in mind while you trade, it's hard work. So this big picture doesn't come with day-to-day execution. It's a wrong thing to say. And actually, if you seek confidence from the short-term results, it just it's it's impossible. I mean, you have confidence from the long-term results, but from day to day, just need to be there. One loss doesn't shake you. One bad trading day. Um, but yeah, a lot of traders don't don't, don't want to do this hard work, and then they don't have the fresh picture, the big picture in mind. They get themselves consumed by the fear. The fear drives their their mistakes um, and the, their their decisions. And so these big picture activities are all about trading related. So analyzing, journaling, blah blah blah, all these things you know that traders talk so much about, but also the basic needs. So. The reason why I trade is three to four hours. It's because I understand that this exceptional trading performance comes with factors inside of the chart. So you have to be able to put focus and then good decision making, all that. But also, you can have all the emotional skills. Uh, what tra- trader needs, so self awareness, and you are you are able to regulate. But if your basic needs are not in check you just won't be able to have the resources. Your brain won't be able to, to, to tap into those resources that allow you to utilize your knowledge. And, um, and you know, you only gonna be able to give your full potential when you remove the interference. Yeah. So the way to remove the interference is, is to have these five basic emotion, uh, basic needs uh, set. So, so we're talking about the sleep, the food or nutrients, the sun, uh, the mental health, uh, and um, I'm forgetting about now the fifth one, uh, it would be movement, so yeah. physical activity. So these five things are crucial. And if you don't have them in check, you know, I think it's worthless. And traders really underrate. And then what happens is that they might they might underrate sleep. They sleep like three hours. They go into the trading session. They screw it up. And they, they start to enter this cycle or negative loop of, of disbelief. Damn, like I was able to, to make money, but today I screw it all. I, I gave everything back to the market. I, I suck. Like I am no good trader. And when the problem was you didn't have a good night of sleep and you underrated the sleep or your personal problems, you know, sometimes it's difficult to distinguish. Should I trade? Uh, I'm feeling kind of affected by that situation outside of the charts. Should I trade? Should I not? What what happens is that you're going to... Um, like you're gonna your emotional temperature gonna raise way faster than normal so you have to be aware of this yeah Yeah, perhaps you can uh you can go ahead and you can trade but the awareness has to be double there 
you really have to understand where you are at, at the emotional temperature scale, which is like a concept I use with the traders I guide. And it's like uh, helps them understand where they are at at different phases of the session. So before the trading session and in between trades to kind of reset and take it straight isolatedly. And, um, you know, you become better at self-awareness. You know, it's not something that you're born with. You, you yeah. just need to practice it outside and inside of the charts. And what happens is that they really increase their ability to accurately, accurately access their mind and if they should or not. Yeah. Um, to keep, and then they, they guide their actions uh, with this self-awareness in mind. They take a pause, whatever. But yeah, one has to be mindful of this. And it's not only about this superficial awareness. You really have to practice the real-time awareness. Yeah. So, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling bothered. Um, what is this? Um, I know what's what's gonna come what's coming next. I'm I already saw this many, many times, so better to make a pause. And yeah, um, yeah. it's all about utilizing at the right timing. Yeah, fascinating. I love what you said about the physiological stuff there, though, about sleep and nutrition and hydration and exercise, because that is also important. And it's also talking to all of that stuff I mentioned about success comes from whatever you're doing off the playing field which falls into yeah. this. Um, so I've been excited to talk to a woman in trading because there's not a lot in my, certainly in, in my network, I've struggled to try and get female traders onto this podcast. So it's, it's, it's very exciting for me to be able to speak to you and know that, you know, you're the real deal. You're doing this, you eat what you kill <laughs> uh, in what is usually quite a, it is usually quite a male dominated industry, but that's, becoming less and less the case nowadays there are more and more women entering the trading field which i find interesting and i guess it's partly i suppose that the barriers to entry have come down a little bit over the years um but what i want to ask you is this i mean i i always have it in my mind that actually women are probably better wired to be successful traders because you don't have that same aggression you don't have an ego you know guys can be we can be aggressive. We can, we've got big egos sometimes, and that often can be to your detriment as a trader. You mentioned earlier that you are somewhat risk averse. Do you think that that uh, is valid? What I'm saying that that women are generally less aggressive as just by nature, and therefore mm -hmm. have better, you know, maybe better longevity as a trader. Is yeah. that fair to say? I think that's a very very interesting topic that. Uh... I don't see being talked a lot. So uh, really nice that you touched on that. Um, I, I do think everybody has an ego, but you're right in the fact that um, men typically are more like alpha. And so they want to reclaim the power if if gets taken away from them. Um, and they want to reclaim this power fast. Um, might not happen so much with women, but we still have an ego. And I do think that this power, it, it's it might be somehow from the nature side and 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 man the the difference from men to women but also from from the pressures of society so you as a man you have to uh, you have to be able to do this and you have more responsibilities and that's just the way it is you know we're kind of uh, getting to a, a even year uh, but there's still that pressure and men need to perform and they need to, they need to put power and to raise their families. You know, there, there's still this thing ingrained a lot in the, in the society mind. And um, I do think this plays a big role in trading. So they get taken away the power or they perceive it 
like that. They perceive yeah. it's getting away from them, but when in fact they have all the power still, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they want to reclaim it. But yeah, I also see a lot, you know, there's this idea that ego is just to, to the superior side, like uh, one might feel superior, but ego is really the your self-image. So the way you see yourself and the world around you. So uh, and the beliefs you have, kind of, it's kind of defense mechanism Fear is the defense mechanism of, of ego. And um, the ego might lead you to, to, to thinking you're, you're better, but it's not just that. It's because it's only your self-image. If you see yourself as a loser or if you see yourself as worthless and you have this lack of self-esteem, you're going to try to fulfill your ego that way to confirm your beliefs that way. So you might not be able to break a ceiling of performance, uh, because you just don't see yourself as a deserver of easy money, quote unquote. Uh, and this lack of confidence, the way you see yourself, it's just so accurate. You know, there's such a correlation between the trader, the way he sees himself or herself and, and their mistakes and their or, or performance problems in trading. It's it's amazing. It's something that when you get to know the person, it's just so accurate and it's like an aha moment. And then you understand why you're not able to to let the trade run. Um, but also I do think these, uh, this mindset that you were talking about, the, the risk aversion in my side, it has to do not only with my nature, but with the, with the education that I had. So I grew up in this scarcity environment. My family was like medium class, never had struggles about money, but it's all about the mindset, right? Yeah. So the work hard and, um, you, you kind of start to believe that you, it's not normal to make this type of money. And you, you consciously believe it, it's possible. You consciously believe that that you, you really want it, but that is a subconscious thing that you've been living with that throughout your whole life. And you're just not gonna unmake it like that. Not gonna uh, undo the, 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 old, the belief that you've been living with. And so when we are kids, childs really absorb things better and faster. And uh, the way you're raised, it has a lot to do with how you see yourself, how you handle the risk, um, but not only the educational. A certain a lot, a lot of events. Also, I believe personality, mm. uh, which means like your how you you're born with. Um, so a series of factors, but education is a big one. Yeah, I would say. So yeah, it's an interesting question. I do think that women might be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more as um, deliberate when it comes to the decision making. Uh, and men are more more impulsive creatures, yeah. um, but we have other challenges as well. Yeah. Uh, we have other. We we all have an ego, yeah. <laughs> and it needs to be dropped, or better saying, kind of detach. We need to detach ourselves ourselves from this ego. It exists. We need it to trade, but it needs to be detached from. Uh, it's it's a narrative. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not us. Fantastic. All right, so we, we're drawing towards the end of our time on this podcast. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to you, and I wish we could go on, but we are close to running out of time. Um, where can listeners to this podcast follow you? And also, if they were interested, for example, in your coaching work, how do they get in touch with you regarding that? Okay, so I'm most active on Twitter, so hot perceptive trader. Um, that's my handle, which is tricky because you might find a lot of uh, fake accounts, which has been problem with Twitter for mm. the last 
yes. a lot of people are experiencing this and well, this. Well, so if you if you've been cloned, if your Twitter account has been cloned, then you've made it in life. So oh, <laughs> yeah, imitation is the best form of flattery. But I know <laughs> I mean, I've had this a lot as well. So okay, so at Perceptive Trader is your Twitter yeah. handle, and the yeah, real one is you. You've got about fifty fifty one thousand followers. Yeah, something like that. So, so, so mine has the the blue the blue the, sign. The blue tick. You you the paid for peaks, the blue so, tick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Please pay attention to that yeah. if you're watching. Um, and and I'll I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a place I want to start to be more active in. I think it's super interesting. I think Twitter yes. is kind of losing uh, how how it used to be, which yeah. um, doesn't uh, well. It's getting different. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in the performance coaching it's just what i do is taking clients that already have their strategies okay so nothing about teaching my strategy or market views they already have their edge but it's more performance struggles trading mistakes psychological barriers mental blocks all these things um i work with the traders one-on-one to intensively to to yeah to to improve this part of of the execution and uh, there's this qualification form everything is is in the bio of my twitter profile yeah. if you're interested also yeah. my my ebook the soup stack is on the pinned uh, tweet of my profile everything is in there that's all there so okay so the best place is to go to your twitter handle at perceptive trader mm-hmm. and all of it is there yeah. fantastic all right super sarah well it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you Thanks so much for your time today. I've enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And I hope that the listeners have enjoyed it. Um, as I mentioned, this is the last uh, podcast in the season series, season seven of Talking with Traders, which brings us to the end of 2023. And we'll be back in the new year again with another uh, season eight of, of Talking with Traders next year. But Sarah, it's been excellent. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It went fast. Uh, I get lost talking about uh, psychology in general and training psychology. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.